Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Maria Zarang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Meg Cooper. Meg has been serving as the coordinator for the Great Delta Bear Affair since 2006, and she is also the director for Mississippi's Lower Delta Partnership. Today, we're going to talk about the Great Delta Bear Affair Festival and how this year's festival will bring a bit of hope to the people of Rolling Fork in the aftermath of the devastating tornado that struck the region last spring. Meg, welcome to the show. It's good to have you. How are you? Good. Thank you, Maria. It's good to be here. Yeah, and thanks for making time. I know y'all are busy preparing for the festival that's coming up um, next weekend. And yes. so, yeah, first, why don't you just start out by letting our listeners know what the Great Delta Bear Fair is. The Great Delta Bear Fair is a wonderful festival uh, that we hold each year in October in Rolling Fork, Mississippi, and it's just kind of a multi-dimensional, family-friendly festival with all of those things that go with it. We've got live music going on most of the day. We'll have children's activities. We'll have arts and crafts vendors. Of course, we'll have that great festival food with all those vendors, and we'll have a few other things as well, like uh, tours of some nearby prehistoric Indian mounds, the Chainsaw Woodcarver. This year, we'll be doing repair all around the town rather than carving a new bear but we'll get to that later oh yeah i know i definitely want to talk about that for sure um well yeah no it definitely sounds like fun y'all have been a long time grantee of uh the arts commission and i've had the pleasure of, of reading your application for the past six years now <laughs> so it's nice to be able to talk to you more about it um first let's just say when the when is it the date and then the times of the festival it's October 28th. It's always on the fourth Saturday in October. So it's October 28th this year, and it will uh, start, kick off with our 5K run walk at nine o'clock in the morning. And we're ending early this year because of the tornado and everything. So it's going to end at five o'clock. Okay, good, good. Uh, well, that's a full day still. So it is. Yeah, Plenty yeah, of time. Good. Um, okay, so I want to talk to you. Part of the Great Delta Bear Affair is celebrating the history of the Black Bear in Mississippi. Um, this is something that I don't really know a lot about, and maybe our listeners don't know that much about either. Can you talk to us about that history of the Black Bear? Some, I can. Okay. Uh, yes, black bears are native to Mississippi. I think there's three different species, actually, of black bears that are native to the state of Mississippi. And the one that is in our area of the state is called the Louisiana black bear. And that's just its scientific name. Uh, but that's the black bear that we have. And at one point in time, there were a great many black bears in Mississippi. And as their habitat was destroyed over the years. They began to go away. And as the bear population was hunted out as well. So those two things combined to pretty much do away with black bears in Mississippi. And we started the festival in 2002. 
which was a hundred year anniversary, but also um, was a point in time when the bear population in Mississippi had gotten down to about 10 to 15 bears that they were aware of. And so we wanted to help bring awareness to that population and to the need to um, restore some habitat and return our historically significant black bears to the state. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really interesting, and that's something that people can learn if they go to the festival. Um, now, one of y'all partners, the Bear Group of Mississippi, do they do a lot of work kind of creating awareness? That's the goal, is to create awareness for Black bears in Mississippi, and also to support um, scientific research of the Black bears and um sustainable sustainability for the black bears in the state of Mississippi. And so they work with like the research team from Mississippi State and the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks, bear biologists, and help and partner with them on bear research and tagging mm -hmm. bears, collaring the bears so that they can keep up with the numbers and the movements of the bears across the state. Wow, that's cool. So the festival started in 2002. Have y'all seen um, a rising population of the Mississippi black bear since then? Yes, we have for a variety of reasons. Um, and I think one of them is awareness. And our festival is has been a wonderful outreach tool and awareness tool for the black bears and all of those entities that study the black bears across the state. We've been um, a great tool for that, but also um, Natural Resource Conservation Services and with some of the Farm Bill programs have um, encouraged instituting more habitat for black bears and a lot of uh, farmers as they get land out of, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the family doesn't want to farm anymore or it was marginal ag land anyway. So as they're taking it out of cropping and putting it into some of the programs that promote habitat for black bears. So there wow. has been definitely an increase in the population and we're thrilled about that. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And I, I love, you know, y'all have a lot going on with arts, crafts, music, and this uh, programming about the natural environment in Mississippi and Mississippi's animal population. I just think that's a nature and arts is a great um, kind of combo for programs. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's talk about Another thing that y'all celebrate that talked about that hundred year anniversary in 2002, and that's the story of um, President Teddy Roosevelt's uh, hunting trip in Sharkey County. I don't want to give too much away, so I'll let you say it. Why don't you okay. tell that story? And okay, I love the story, and it's a great story and a great Mississippi story. Uh, in, two th in 1902, President Theodore Roosevelt came to Mississippi. And one of the things he wanted to do was to go on a black bear hunt. He had never been on a black bear hunt. Um, if you know anything about President Roosevelt, he was a great conservationist as well as a great sportsman. And he enjoyed hunting and he had not hunted black bears before. So it was arranged for him to go on a hunt in Southern Sharkey County, not very far from Rolling Fork. And 
you know, that so of course, when the president comes hunting, you would love for him to actually capture a bear, you know, get his trophy when he's um, hunting in your area. So the best hunt guide of the area, Hulk Collier, was engaged to be on the hunt and to scope out the landscape ahead of time and find out where the bears were in the hopes that President Roosevelt would be able to get a bear. And which, so Hulk Collier did tell the president, you know, if you just listen to me, you'll get a bear. So the first day of the hunt, he put the president where he was supposed to be, you know, where he knew he had been tracking some bear trails through cane breaks and such. And so the president was, you know, he said, if you sit right there and wait, a bear will run out right there. So the president and his hunting companion, Mr. Foote, they sat there for the better part of the morning and they listened to the dogs running back and forth and chasing and barking. And they could tell the dogs were on the scent of something, but they weren't sure where it was and it sounded like it was getting further and further away and so at some point they decided that they would go back to camp and have lunch that the bear had obviously crossed the river the dogs had crossed the river they were far away and so they left where Holt Collier had told them to stay and went back to camp well almost a minute or so after they had left that spot, that bear turned, the dogs turned, ran it out. Hulk Collier knew where that bear was headed and he kept listening for a shot because he thought that bear should come out right where the president can get a shot at him and he never heard it. Well, the bear got cornered in a swampy area in a slough with the dogs you know, yapping at it and attacking him. And so an angry bear is not good. Black bears generally aren't very aggressive unless they're agitated as this one was. So it turned around and started swatting at the dogs and grabbing the dog. And it grabbed Hulk Collier's favorite dog, Jocko, which was a little feist dog. And the bear had the dog and Hulk Collier jumped down off his horse. Now he wasn't supposed to shoot the bear because the president was supposed to shoot the bear. And so he got off his horse and he grabbed his gun and he had it, held it by the barrel and he yelled at the bear and hit the bear over the head with the stock of the gun and pretty hard apparently because it kind of knocked the bear senseless. The bear dropped the dog and Hulk Collier called for a rope and he lassoed the bear and he tied the bear to the tree and then said, call for the president, send for the president. So the president was sent for, he showed up and everybody was saying, shoot the bear. And here's this, you know, semi-conscious bear tied to a tree. And the president looked at it and said, no, it would not be sportsmanlike to kill that bear. So he refused to kill the bear. So from that point on, uh, the political journalists that were on the trip, as well as others, they heard the story and all the political cartoons had a picture of a little black bear along with the president and all political cartoons with the president. So the bear kind of became associated with President Roosevelt and this bear hunt. And a toy maker, Morris Mitchum, who was in New Jersey, he wrote a letter to the president and said, would you mind if these stuffed toy bears that I have in my shop, if I called them Teddy's bears? And the president agreed and said, I don't know how that's going to help you sell a bear, but you're welcome to do that. And that Teddy's bears became Teddy bears. And so always your stuffed toy bears are called Teddy bears. So this is the hunt that led to the naming of toy stuffed toy bears as Teddy bears. 
And um, it is the state toy for Mississippi in 2002. It was declared the state toy for Mississippi. And that's a wonderful Mississippi story and a great story that we have to share with the country. Yeah, that is really fascinating. And um, I'm so glad I'm listening to you tell it because I've only heard the kind of briefer version of the story online and in y'all grant presentation. And um, yeah, there was so much more detail here. I just think it's, yeah, such a neat uh, piece of uh, Mississippi history, toy history. Absolutely. History, but um, now I had heard about it, you know, from y'all at the festival, I heard about this story. Is this something that you find many Mississippians know about this story? Not really. In our area, since we've started the festival in the past 20 years, it's a story now that most of our school children here and ours here in our area. But as we have visitors come through from other parts of the state and we tell the story, they always say, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, yes. You know, not as well known as we would assume it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially since the state toy is the teddy bear, you know. Right. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so when it came out, when this kind of story came out in the hunt, you know, in 1902, uh, this was, it got national attention, right? Absolutely. And I was wondering, Holt Collier, the guy, did, was he kind of um, prompted to, like, you know, national fame? Did he get any recognition in his time? He did um, because President Roosevelt was such a huge fan of Hulk Hoyer. Mm-hmm. He he did become recognized. He um, President Roosevelt said that Hulk Hoyer was the best guide and hunter he had ever known in his life. Wow. So there was that recognition. And in 1907, when President Roosevelt went on a bear hunt in Louisiana, he requested that Hulk Hoyer be on that hunt. And on that hunt, he did actually kill a black bear. Oh, he never wow. did kill one on the hunt in Mississippi. Yeah. There were bears killed on the hunt, which from what I understand from bear hunting lore is, you know, if a bear is killed on the hunt, it's, you know, everyone's bear, everyone, you know, but President Roosevelt himself never killed the bear. But in 1907, he did kill a bear on a hunt with Hulk Collier. Wow. Hulk Collier has become, you know, he was, you know, a neat guy. There's a whole book about him written by Minor Buchanan, which is wonderful. And he has a fascinating history as well. Hi, I'm Maria Zerang. You're listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour and MPB Think Radio. I'm Maria Zerang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Meg Cooper about the Great Delta Bear Affair Festival. So just before the break, we were listening to a fascinating story about Mississippi's connection to the teddy bear and inspiration behind that and Holt Collier. And I wanted to ask you, uh, and then we can kind of move on to this year's festival, but um, now Holt, did he have, does he have family in the area or do any of his, like, if he had children or grandchildren, do they ever participate in the festival or were they ever in, kind of invited back on that year that y'all, one of the years y'all kind of paid tribute to him and his story, right? We did. And we did find, and I'm not sure what the relationship was. It's been a while. Great niece or something of his who still lives in the Greenville area, which is where Holt lived in Greenville, Mississippi. And she came down that year. Our chainsaw woodcarver was carving Holt Collier. Uh, we have we have bears around town, but we also have Teddy Roosevelt and Hulk Collier and was carving Hulk Collier that year. And so she came down, especially just because it was honoring him and to see the carving and all. And so it was nice to have her at the festival. That's awesome. OK, great. I'm glad that I asked. That's so cool. Um, well, why don't we kind of transition and, and talk about this year's festival, you know, given, you know, what the town of Rolling Fork has been through with the tornado that came through this past spring. What is the, what is the festival going to look like um, that is a little bit different? Um, It'll look a lot different this year. Um, Most of the, you know, we're having it. We're able to have it. The streets are there. (laughs) We still have streets. The streets are there and most of the festival does take place in the streets, you know, the vendors set up in the streets, the stage sets up in the street and all of that. Um, So that's how we're able to have it. Uh, However, um, the buildings that were all around that, for the most part, they are, excuse me, they're gone. There's a lot of rubble in the areas. And um, there's like where we used to have a grassy lawn in front of our courthouse. And a lot of people would just kind of camp there for the day and put up chairs and all that. Well, the courthouse was damaged. It was not destroyed, but it was very damaged. And there is a fence around the courthouse. um, So that lawn area is out of question, of course, to use. Plus, it would be too dangerous to be around the structure. So, you know, we've there's we've lost some of that. Um, We're not you know, real sure how exactly it's going to look, but it's still going to be festive with vendors and with live music playing and everything. But yes, there will be definitely be a different feel to it this year. Yeah. Well, what has been the local response to having the festival this year? Do you know what people are saying? Uh, I think a lot of people are very excited about it and they're um, happy that we're having it. I get a lot of, I don't know how you're going to do it. Uh, that kind of thing, but everyone is excited that we are going to have it, and um, we're not going late as we've gone in the past. Usually, we end the festival with a great fireworks show. Um, we wouldn't be able to do that anyway, considering we've had a drought for three months now, so I don't think we'd be able to shoot the fireworks anyway, so that's that's different, and people love the fireworks, so a lot of people are real disappointed that we're not going late, but um it's it's going to be good, and I think most people, we need a festival. We decided, Rolling Fork, you know, we we did have that debate. 
after all that? Should we have it? Should we not? Uh, I called and asked some people that were affiliated with lots of disaster. You know, what will Roland Fork look like in six months? What will it look like? And, you know, and they said, you know, you should have all the buildings should be down, you know, and you should just have clean slabs and clean areas. Um, it's not quite as clean as we wish it were, but uh, the buildings are down. And so we're moving on with it and yeah. we do need it. And it's going to be, you know, just I hope it will bring a feeling of maybe something a little normal and, you know, a celebratory feeling to the community. Yeah, I know. I mean, y'all been through so much and it's just nice to take a break and, you know, listen to some music, have some yeah. fun, watch the uh, hamburger eating contest. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> uh, which I do want to talk about, but um, I, I guess I kind of want to stay on this topic because I wanted to ask, one thing I've always been impressed is y'all have such a large volunteer base to put this festival on and are y'all kind of seeing a similar numbers or are people able to volunteer this year? We People are volunteering. We've got most of the same volunteers. Uh, I will tell you, I don't know if this is happening in other places. Our volunteer base is aging. We're, we're aging. It's hard to tote and lift like we once could. Um, and so we are looking to recruit younger volunteers to you know, I know they're busy with children and activities and such, but we are looking to do that. And we've had some success in that area. And so, um, but we do have a great volunteer base, but we're always looking for more. If anybody's listening and wants to come volunteer, give me a call. Okay, you heard it here. <laughs> Something to think about. Um, okay, well, you know, and each year y'all also kind of do the theme, a different theme for the festival, right? Yes. Tell us what this year's um, theme is and talk about kind of how y'all came up with the theme. Uh, we do kind of do a little tagline each year, just something fun to kind of give it a twist. And this year's theme is barely, B-E-A-R-L-Y, barely here, but building back. And that's kind of where we are. We are barely here, but we are building back. So um, we're excited about that. And we've kind of got a little construction theme going. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that'll kind of fit in well and also add some levity to kind of everything that's been going on. It maybe kind of, you know. Embrace where we are and what we've got going on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and just kind of generally in terms of where Rolling Fork is and the community is. I mean, how is everyone doing now? You know, what's the sense? Are people starting to come back? Are they able to come back? They're, they are. Um, houses are being built. Uh, houses are being built. People, um, we've had some fabulous nonprofits come in and do wonderful work, as well as just some very generous donors. Um, got a great program, Rolling Fork Rising that is trying to put people in homes. Uh, FEMA trailers seemed really slow getting here, but they are coming in now, um, as well as some Samaritan's Purse trailers that were um, awarded to people. So people are getting back and they're ready. You know, yeah. it's it seems slow. You know, of course, at first you go, oh, this is going to take a while. And we realize mentally that, you know, it's going to be years before Rolling Fork is back, but you're just ready to be home and 
there are a lot of those. We do know we still have people in hotels, living in yeah. hotels that are still waiting and trying to get home. And groups have been working with them, trying to get them home. So yeah. we hope that will be soon. Yeah. Rolling Fork is making its way to kind of building back. And yeah, that will take a while. How do you see kind of how the festival fits into this? And what do you see for the, you know, the future of the festival? Um, I don't know. Um, but the festival is a part of it, a part of building back and a part of saying, you know, we may be down, but we're not out. Yeah. We're um, we're still going to, you know, celebrate our history and our heritage and we can still pull this off. We've still got great people and great volunteers. We would not be able to do it without our wonderful volunteers that you mentioned earlier and um, without the support of people, you know, the good donors and the people like the Mississippi Arts Commission that have been so very good to us. Oh, yeah, thanks, of course. If there's anything that you want to talk about on, you know, how our listeners can help uh, Rolling Fork now, kind of at this point in the revitalization process, uh, is there... Come to the festival. Okay. Come to the festival. We're, um, all of our donation admissions, we kind of do a, our, we, we request a $5 admission it's kind of a donation admission because if you just decide you're going to walk by that table and not pay your five dollars, we're not going to chase you down or throw you out or anything else. Uh, but it is a request to keep the festival going. But this year, all of that money is going towards tornado recovery. Mm -hmm. It will be going towards one of the um, entities that was damaged or destroyed during the tornado or to help in some way with one of the nonprofits that is doing good work in the area, building homes or getting and getting people back. So um, come and help in that way. Um, also, there's several um, wonderful, um, the Community Foundation of Washington County has a um, Delta Force uh, account set up that is helping to rebuild homes for people that lost their homes in the tornado and help them. And then another um, nonprofit entity is Rolling Fork Rising, and they are building homes in the area. And that's a really cool program because they are trying to build homes that people that were previously renters can purchase for essentially what their monthly rent was and they will own a home afterwards. Because one thing we discovered, um, I'm getting off track here, but one thing we did discover after the tornado was that about 68% of Rolling Fork residents were renters and that um, the federal funds, the FEMA and all of that don't do a thing to help renters. Mm -hmm. It's just for homeowners and business owners and all. So uh, this is a great program that's come out of this disaster. Yeah, no, it is. And thanks for talking about it. Yeah, I'm glad more people are going to be aware of that. Um, well, I think well, I kind of want to pivot a little bit, if you don't mind, and talk about um, all of the wonderful bears, the 12-foot bear statues that are carved each year at the festival. Um, they're carved by a chainsaw carver. Mm -hmm. Is it always Dayton Scoggins or do y'all get other uh, chainsaw artists as well? Oh, it's been Dayton since we discovered him. But prior to Dayton, we did have another chainsaw woodcarver. And he had, um, he did, I'm not sure how many years he did, maybe three, four, five years. He okay. carved a bear from us. He was not a Mississippi. He was a Louisiana carver. Okay. And um, 
he kind of developed a conflict one year. And as a result of that, we discovered Dayton Scoggins and oh my goodness, there's no going back. Dayton oh. is, he's fabulous. He has been the um, world champion chainsaw woodcarver at different points. And he is well-deserving of that title. He, he always goes above and beyond. Oh yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, we just had uh, on the time of recording this last week, we had our Mac uh, state arts conference and Dayton was there and he uh, carved a bear. That's going to be, you know, this year's uh, bear at the festival mm -hmm. uh, during the state arts conference uh, near the Mississippi museum of art. And, you know, just walking outside periodically throughout the day and seeing the progress that he made and, how it was just a log and then at the end of the day it was such a cool bear i mean his work is is amazing it, it's just really neat um, it is yeah and so usually now dayton's bear is going to be the bear for this year's festival right right and we'll be that's our new bear we okay. have a, each year we get him to carve a bear for us every year uh but this year he's going to be repairing a whole lot of bears so we are so appreciative to the Mississippi Arts Commission for uh, having Dayton uh, demonstrate his skill at y'all's conference and then gifting that bear to Rolling Fork so that we got a new bear to replace the one that died during the tornado. Um, he's, he's fabulous. And each year he does carve a bear for us. And so we kind of have created this bear trail around town where his different bears are. And we have a brochure that highlights the bears and tells you, you know, where they're located and gives you a little bit of information about the facility that they're located in front of or what that bear means uh, to the community. And um, they've kind of become a neat tourist attraction. And everybody knows Roland Fort's bears. Everybody's come to know them. And after the tornado, in fact, so many people called me and other people and, you know, are you okay? Is your house okay? What about this? And then they'd say, and what about the bears? Yeah. Everybody knew and everybody asked, what about the bears? Uh, they oh. were knocked down. A lot of them were knocked down. Um, and we had some really good people that stood them up after except for one one was kind of hidden and people didn't realize that he was down and we got him stood up this weekend uh, but all the rest of them have been up almost since the month after the tornado and but they're missing arms they're missing legs they're missing um ears faces uh they've got little parts that are broken on and Dayton happened to be passing through here last month and he stopped and looked at most of them and he says they can be repaired and so that's going to be his job he's coming for the festival they'll be here for several days and he will be working hard wow their bears yeah and really amazing I know that you know they def a lot of them definitely need to be repaired but that only one was totally destroyed right correct yeah as far as we know, unless he yeah. deems one unrepairable, um, yeah. but he, he says he can fix them and I've seen him fix them before and you wouldn't know it. He's, he's made new arms and, you know, I've got, and we have some parts, I salvaged parts uh, that we found, um, like I've got Teddy Roosevelt's hand with the gun, so he probably can just do a little wedge and glue that on and 
you know, fix that. There's some, there's some parts I think he can put back, but a lot of them he's going to have to remake. Yeah. Well, um, I just think that's fascinating. And it, it really, a, a cool thing to see, to watch Dayton carve. I was just it so is. impressed. So something to entice you to go to the festival. <laughs> yes, oh. yes. You'll have to find him. You'll have to see which one he's repairing at what time, you know, because oh, he's yeah. going to be all over the place. And oh, he'll yeah. be making it more than once. He said he has to one time go through and make the part and glue it and all, and then let that dry. So he'll go on and work on some more, and then he'll come back and he'll have to, you know, carve it out and do the detail work on it. So he's he's got a big job ahead of him, but oh, yeah. he seems more than willing to do it. Hi, I'm Maria Zerang. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. And we're back and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Maria Zarang. With our guest, Meg Cooper here, talking about the Great Delta Bear Fair Festival that's happening on October 28th. Uh, so just before the break, we were talking about Dayton Scoggins' wonderful uh, carved bears that he does with a chainsaw. It's really fascinating to watch. And I just wanted to follow up and ask you about this. How many, you may have said this, but how many bears total do y'all have now in the city? I think we we have uh, 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, and that's including the one that Matt just replaced for us. Yeah, yeah. And how did that tradition start? Uh, start? I believe Nancy Burden came up with the idea. And there was a tree stump that she thought would be cool, carved. And she's a committee member that she thought would be neat, carved into a little teddy bear. And kind of, it was so great that then they would, they carved another one. The first couple were carved onto what were living trees that had been cut down for whatever reason. Um, we've had better success since we've not been carving on living trees, since we've been getting stumps and putting them on concrete, um, you know, just bugs and termites and things like that. Uh, we, we do better treating and keeping those out. Yeah of the um with the stumps but they are wood they are outside and we have lost some over the years because yeah. things happen mm -hmm. yeah yeah just so neat all right I wanted to uh talk to you a little bit about um that Chuck Burger eating contest <laughs> I think that's so fun how did that come about has that been something I've always done no it is not how many years have we done that uh probably about five years I guess maybe more. Uh, a local eatery, which was destroyed in the tornado, Chuck's Dairy Bar, um, they are building back. They, um, it had been around for, well, like 40 years, I think, Chuck's Dairy Bar. And 
decided that we would just to add something new to the festival, some new event. And we thought, well, let's have an eating contest. And so we decided to have a Chuck Burger eating contest. Now your Chuck Burger is a hamburger with chili and slaw and pickles on it. Wow. And so, you know, and it's how many can you eat in five minutes? And it's fun to watch. It draws a huge crowd. Uh, they watch them put down those Chuck Burgers and the winner gets a trophy and a hundred dollars. Wow. And I'll tell you, the um, the seats are full to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's pretty heavy. Chili it is. It's great. Oh, and, yeah. you know, even though we lost Chuck's Dairy Bar and they're in the process of building back, Tracy Harden is the owner and she is still going to get those Chuck burgers cooked and she donates them to this event at the festival each year, which is so great of her. Oh, well, that's good. And I'm glad that they're building back. Uh, we yeah. are too. Yeah. Um, well, I also want to talk about some of y'all outreach efforts because I think it's cool that y'all put this festival on for the community, but y'all also do outreach, you know, kind of beyond the festival, outside of the festival. So, uh, of course, you'll have the Bear Care, Teddy Bears for Kids, and Youth Education Day, kind of like the three areas where y'all do outreach. Uh, can you talk about each of those and kind of work? Okay, well, Bear Care is easy. Yeah. That's just taking care of our carved bears. The uh, Rellenfort Garden Club landscapes around most of them. Some of the ones on private property, that's up to the owners. Uh, but those... Um, we try to take care of them and keep them looking attractive and all. And also um, the maps, as I mentioned earlier, the brochure and the map and all, which we'll be reprinting sometime after because we lost them in the mm -hmm. storm, most of the brochures we had. But also we wanted to wait and see, you know, what we had left. You know, once Dayton is through repairing, uh, what do we need to change and, you know, what's going to be different in the brochure, in the brochure that we do going forward. But it also had a little children's scavenger hunt on it. So if the kids went around looking for bears, there were certain things that they had to look for on each bear and then they could take it back to the visitor center. So that's bear care. Yeah. And then teddy bears for kids. We, um, we sell a different teddy bear each year at the festival and we're real picky about our bears it's not like one you would win at the state fair that's filled with those little styrofoam pellets they're always soft and lovable and plush and so we take teddy bears to blairy batson well it's children's of mississippi now it used to be blairy batson but to the children's hospital each year we package those and take the teddy bears to make sure that every child in the hospital does receive a teddy bear each year from the festival. Uh, now, then our Youth Education Day, that's an event that we target fourth graders in all of, in Sharkey, Issaquina counties and the counties surrounding Sharkey and Issaquina counties. And that's like a conservation, wildlife, habitat, education day. And we held that generally. In the past, we've held it downtown on the square, on the courthouse lawn. And we've had outreach educators uh, talking about everything from, well, always bears. There's yeah. always somebody talking about bears. Like other types of wildlife, talking about habitat, talking about water quality, talking about conservation and outdoor safety. All of, Those are all different issues that we've covered over the years at Youth Education Day. This year is different. 
This year, we are having it at the Theodore Roosevelt National Wildlife Refuge Visitor Center that's located at Onward, Mississippi, the center that has never opened to the public. And so it's a great opportunity for those schools and teachers to see this great facility. Um, but we're going to hold it there, and it will be on the Friday morning, Friday the 27th, before the festival. And the kids will go through the usual rotations and, you know, with those outreach educators, they will also have an opportunity to go through the um, center and see that. And we always, our um, conservation commission, soil and water conservation commissioners cook lunch for the children. So they always provide lunch for all of the children, the presenters, the parents, the teachers, the volunteers that are there. We provide lunch for them. And uh, then they can load back up on those buses and go back to school to go home. Wow. So that's, it's a fun event and the kids always love it. Yeah. And we love doing it. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's just fascinating all the stuff that y'all do beyond the festival, you know, in terms of programming and kind of giving back to the community. And um, I wanted to talk about Mississippi's Lower Delta Partnership because that's the organization that kind of puts on the festival, right? And, you know, it you, is. Work, you work there and do y'all do other programming besides the festival? And if so, uh, do you want to talk about some of the things that y'all offer the community? We do. We do. Um, one of the things we've done for the past several years, well, probably for 12 years, I guess, we do a Lower Delta Talk series where we bring in different speakers to talk about the nature, the culture, or the heritage of um, the Mississippi Delta. And we usually hold that from March through October, once a month. And it's a fun, just community event, just a cultural event for everybody. Uh, anybody's invited to come. So we do that. We've done that for several years. We also work with our conservation partners and we hold workshops on their different programs that are in the farm plan, all those different conservation programs. We, we partner with um, NRCS and to host those workshops. And we usually do about five or six of those a year. And uh, just last week, we partnered with several different community partners and we held a story walk in the community. And the story was going on a bear hunt. Gotta oh. get a big one. And that was great fun. Uh, we did that. So we love putting on um, just kind of quality of life incentives for children and adults, residents, visitors. Everything we do is open to the public. And so those are some of the different things that we've done. Oh, cool. All right. Well, how if people want to, you know, especially in that region, if they um, want to get involved in this kind of programming, uh, do you all have a website or where can people go to kind of learn more? Our website is um, LowerDelta.org is the Lower Delta Partnership website. And Great Delta Bear Affair also has its own website, which is GreatDeltaBearAffair.org. So either one of those can give you some great information about what we've got, what's going on here in the South Delta. We love to promote the South Delta, this part of the state. Good. And yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question, actually. Where can people go to learn more about the festival that's happening next weekend? And that's greatdeltabearfair.org, right? Yes. And you can see our schedule. You can see um, what our great looking t-shirts look like this year yeah. and all of the events that are going on. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just great music. You all have the 5K run that you had mentioned. Yes. Uh, you also have an, an Elvis per performer, right? Oh, uh, we do. We, we can't have our festival without Elvis being there. Uh, Tim Johnson is our Elvis impersonator that's come for years and everybody loves Tim Elvis and uh he's he's great fun we've got but we've got him and of course we have Eden Brent as you already mentioned Keith Johnson who you know he's got local ties because he is the great nephew of Muddy Waters mm -hmm. and so and Muddy Waters is one of our claims to fame in this area that he was born here uh we've also got um Walker Wilson who was um, who He's got ties to Anguilla, Rowland Fork, the South Delta, yeah. and he was on The Voice this past year. He's fantastic. And Eli Mosley, now he is from Florida, but he's great and called, they've got just a heart for areas with disasters and stuff. And in fact, his dad and a few are going to come in early before the festival and they're going to help Rowland Fork Rising with their home building that they've got oh. going on. Wow. So we're just excited about all the people that are coming because they want to help Rolling Fork or they want to give back to Rolling Fork or they just want to support us and, you know, let us know they're thinking about us. Well, I think we're out of time. So uh, I want to thank you, Meg, for being a part of the Mississippi Arts Hour and making time for us today. And thank you for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour, which is a co-production of MPB Think Radio and the Mississippi Arts Commission. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.